Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In today's show, we cover the biggest news story of this week, which is, of course, the changes at AlphaTauri and what does this mean for the rest of F1. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. Now with me today, and this sort of, what's going to be a bit of an unstructured news show, is Sam. How are you today, Sam? I'm all the better for actually meeting you, Ollie. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah we, we didn't mention that, did we, on the last show? No. No, after what, eighteen months or so of working together? Yeah, eighteen months of and and for the listeners, I speak to Sam and Abby more than I speak to my own wife. And now I have met Abby, but that wasn't even that long ago either. But yes, nice to nice to have met you, Sam and Abby. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. It's good that we have all actually met in person and not just digitally on Zoom. But yeah, let's crack on because there's a lot to talk about. Okay, Abby says crack on, so let's, let's get already, on with it. She's done, done with her. <laughs> get on with the boys. Abby's looking at the clock, she's like, right, we've already spoken for half, half an hour before we've even uh, gone on air, so all right, Abby. Um, so the biggest news of the week, potentially of the season, Alpha Tauri have changed the lineup. Now, there was speculation this was going to happen. 
it's sort of looking, it was looking this way, but quite frankly, I'm not sure anyone expected it to happen quite the way it did. So what I'm talking about is Nick DeFries losing his seat at AlphaTauri and being replaced with Daniel Ricciardo mid-season after only 10 races with the team. Now, I know, guys, we have quite a mixture of opinions on this subject of whether that's a good thing to do, whether it's not, whether they should have given him, given him longer. So, Sam, I'm going to start with you. What do you think of this announcement? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's ridiculous? Do you think he should have had more time? I think whether it's fair or not is kind of besides the point. F1 is an incredibly unfair environment. It's it's That's the, the nature of the beast. What I am surprised about is not how they've done it. I expected it to be quick and you know, brutal, unceremonious to the point. That is how Red Bull do things. And I actually think it's the best of that way. It's, it doesn't leave a lingering kind of, oh, you know, we're a bit undecisive about this. What we are all surprised about is the timing. We thought, because of Helmut Marco's comments heading into Austria, that we'd at least get to the summer break, which is the conventional way that Red Bull do things. So that's what's surprising. Uh, and then the replacement, not hugely surprising. I also think the replacement is the right call in terms of who it is, but I would have ultimately given Nick DeVries the season at least. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of people think, well, why change in mid-season? We we know his results have not been where they should have been, and they've compared him against Sonoda. Um, Abby, I've noticed in in the press statements, um, the, the, the press releases and all of the sort of statements that have come out, there doesn't seem to be any mention of DeVries, really, in, in much of them. You know, it's all focused on Ricardo. Yeah, it is. Even like Franz tossed what he said. He spoke about Daniel returning to the team, how he has no doubt in his driving skill. And then it was one sentence that was, I would like to thank Nick for his valuable contribution during his time with AlphaTauri. And I wish him all the best in the future, which he's, it's only been 10 rounds because Imola was cancelled. But I feel like they should have given him the season because yes, he hasn't performed quite as well as Sonoda. But at the end of the day, he is an F1 rookie. He has completed tests in the past, but he, this is still his F1 rookie season. And if you look back at the, the circuits that have been on the calendar for the first half of the season, a lot of them are street circuits. Now, Logan Sargent is also a rookie at Williams. James Vowles said that whilst Logan hasn't performed particularly well compared to Albon, he hasn't had the proper time to actually learn an F1 car on a more traditional racetrack because there have been so many street circuits. And I know Red Bull and AlphaTauri seem to run a lot stricter team in terms of who they want in their seat. And when they get rid of them, we saw it with Gasly and Kvyat, they were out halfway through a season. But I just feel like De Vries deserved a longer time period to prove himself. And with Ricardo. I think Helmut Marco said that they've put him in the seat because they didn't want to disrupt Liam Lawson, who's currently in Super Formula. They didn't want to disrupt his development midway through his Super Formula season. But with Ricardo, he got the seat because he impressed at the Silverstone Pirelli tyre test for Red Bull. He's going into an AlphaTauri seat. He didn't even mention AlphaTauri in his comment. He said, I'm stoked to be back on track with the Red Bull family. AlphaTauri is the slowest car in my opinion, this season, is he going to be able to outperform that car and level it with Sonoda? He struggled with the McLaren. Well, we don't really know what the expectation is internally. Do they expect Daniel to be 
equal to Yuki or better? Or are they just kind of saying, look, if you can be closer than Nick was, we'll be happy. That's what we're expecting. You've been out of the car for six months. Also, you know, Christian Horner has been quite open about the guy that they got back uh, from Daniel Ricciardo, that he was, you know, underweight. He didn't look the guy that had left in, in 2018. So it's difficult to know where, where the expectation game is there for them. I think they're absolutely right. Liam Lawson wouldn't have been the right choice. Not because I don't think he will end up in the AlphaTauri next year, but when you are wanting to get a more accurate barometer of where the car is and where Yuki Tsunoda is, Daniel Ricciardo is a better choice because ultimately Liam Lawson is another rookie who admittedly, yes, is always immediately on the pace when he comes into a series. We're seeing that with Super Formula. We've seen that with F2 before when wins his first race in those two series and has done in the past as well, you're not getting the same level of data from a seasoned vet uh, that you do with Daniel Ricciardo. So I think there is a piece to talk about of what happens now to Nick DeVries. Um, there was a picture that's circulating earlier today of him with Toto Wolff in Monaco, which I found particularly interesting. I'm not sure what we can read from that at the moment. Um, but Moving on from DeFries, hope, you know, hopefully he can get another seat in another formula, whether that be IndyCar, um, Formula E again. He's obviously a world champion in Formula E. Sam, I noticed actually, whilst I'm saying this, that you ran a poll today on your Twitter of what should DeFries do next. What were, the, what were the results on that, by the way? The results were, as I opened my Twitter account... To, <laughs> Sorry, um... this was totally <laughs> unplanned. I just remembered, I remembered voting on it myself. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. It's not a huge sample, um, so not huge, I'm not going to mention. Uh, But 9% of respondents felt that he should seek out an F1 reserve seat with another team, presumably, as his next move. 21% went for a Formula E drive. Obviously, that's where he won a championship uh, a couple of years ago. 26% said another racing series, so that could have been Super Formula, that could be WEC. So sports cars, endurance, anything along those lines. But 44%, so not an outright majority, but a plurality of respondents felt IndyCar would be his best uh, next move, which I'm inclined to agree with. I think he's done what he needs to do in Formula E. I think you take a crack at IndyCar as the next logical step for a single-seater career. But also... I wouldn't. Uh, I think WEC would be a really good option for him as well. We've seen with Antonio Giovinazzi how you can rejuvenate your career. So they're good options. Total Wolf, seemingly very much a father figure for him, uh, will just be kind of yeah that arm around the shoulder uh, type approach, which I think is what Nick needs at this stage. But I imagine he'll want to take a little bit of time out to consider his steps. Now, I did read a comment from um, one of the Formula Nose team, Dave, earlier, um, who looks after our Facebook, and he he said something where I actually thought he nailed it, right? Everyone was saying, oh, it's so sad to be kicked out over uh, after only 10 races, this, that, and the other. And he said, well, you can also look at it this way. He was an F1 driver for 10 races. Okay, it didn't work out, but he's now an ex-F1 driver. Not many people get that opportunity. So you've got to look at the positives. I know there's a lot of people out there who think it's extremely harsh, but... As Sam opened up with, it's an extremely uh, brutal sport uh, when it comes to things like this. Hey, here's an F1 point scorer. Exactly. Luca Badur had how many races in F1? Never scored a point. So, you know, he's he's got things to be proud of and to look back fondly on, even if this season wasn't what he hoped it would be. 
So continuing the conversation slightly more, uh, again, with Ricardo and Red Bull, um, there was an interesting f- f- couple of words that Christian Horner used when, when talking about uh, Daniel Ricardo was that he is on loan until the end of the season to Alpha Tauri. Now, you can read into these things in many, many different ways, but this is saying it's a temporary measure. Um, obviously, we know Alpha Tower is going to change next year. The name's going to change um, and sort of the operation and how it works with Red Bull is going to change. But the word on loan suggests that this isn't a permanent place for him. Now, what does this mean for a currently underperforming, people are saying, Sergio Perez. Do you think this is a, a tactical move? Um, Abby, I'm going to ask you first. Do you think that there's a lot more to this or do you think Daniel Carlo's just the right man for the job in that car at the moment? That's all it is. I think Ricardo is the right man for the job in the Alfa Tauri car at the moment. However, I think Red Bull were saying he's on loan because with Perez, he has been underperforming in the last five races. Obviously, he's particularly in qualifying. In the race, he seems to be able to claw it back somewhat. And Christian Horner and Red Bull are trying to get Perez to improve, doing the arm around the shoulder kind of approach. And they have faith that he will improve. And Horner even said, he'll do it in Budapest. I'm confident. That, for me, is the reason why Ricardo is on loan. If Perez can't improve in the rest of the races this season... I think Red Bull will kick him out of his seat and then put Ricardo into the Red Bull. If he does improve, then maybe Ricardo will be looking at a full-time seat in AlphaTauri. I'm not sure, but that's why. I think there's another layer to the on-loan wording. I'm, I'm really, really, really interested to hear this because I know, Sam, you look at things differently to the way I do, so far away. Well, it's not that interesting. <laughs> so thanks for building this up. Oh, come um, on, man. I thought you were going to give me a rev- <laughs> revolution there. Well, no, I mean, my point was that 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 on loan structure or that kind of free co- structure has always been how Red Bull have done things. That's how they've managed to make driver switches mid-season in the past. Albon, Gasly, you know, Kvyat, Verstappen. So that in itself isn't unusual for them to actually loan a driver to another team or make a switch what is unusual is actually pointing it out in the press release so using the language to is a very pointed um approach of i guess trying to get sergio perez to go right okay it's go time i've got to step up now and christian horner surprised me actually because he said that Sergio is the kind of guy that needs an arm around his shoulder, which is is not what you expect from Christian Horner or Red Bull. It's more what you expect from Alpha Tower. You expect longer, more development time. And we're seeing a transition now. The scales are time, starting to turn where actually Alpha Tower, even though you need to be ready, you need to go. Red Bull will give you a little bit of time. And when asked if, um, or, or when it becomes a problem, when, when he starts to get concerned, Christian Horner said, as long as he's P2 in the... Well, he's, he's still P2 in the championship and he increases points gap to Alonso, very much implying that if that shrinks, if that is eroded, if he loses P2, then it gets a, a lot more real. That is um, where the, the kind of... The tide will turn for Sergio Perez, I think. But ultimately, since the announcement that Alpha Tari are going to change their name this year, the wording that, that, that came along with that was they are, uh, are going to be more of a B team as they traditionally were. 
And that is kind of saying no longer a junior team. So we're not necessarily going to rely on just youth. There will also be experience, Daniel Ricciardo. And also with that, a little bit more cutthroat, a little bit more ruthless, as we've traditionally seen with Rebel. It could be that, you know, next year, let's say Perez still doesn't pick up the pace, there could be a driver switch, right? You put Perez in the Alpha Tauri and you put Ricardo in the Red Bull. But the comments, and I'm start, everyone knows you've got to take what Helmut Marco says as a bit of a pinch of salt, right? But he's also been talking a lot about Lando Norris and how he would be the, the best fit for Red Bull. Do you think this is all just smoke and mirrors? Well, this is the thing. I don't think Perez goes to Alpha Tauri. I don't think that's an option. I don't, I don't see it happening. I think if Daniel Ricciardo or Yuki Tsunoda, let's you know keep him in the mix, steps up to Red Bull, even as a, a year or two while they wait for, say, a Charles Leclerc or a Lando Norris, Liam Lawson gets that AlphaTauri seat. Sergio Perez is then again sitting on the sidelines trying to finesse a, an opportunity uh, from over the rest of the season. That's where that situation is. But it does highlight a change in approach where we're not we're not happy anymore with that driver one driver two uh dynamic and we want two guys who can fight at the top daniel ricardo could he bring that again i think there's maybe the look we might as well bet on it because we put him in the car and all of a sudden we get 2017 2018 again great that's what we want I think the hope is that yeah, you'd basically just in a right in the right environment, he just comes back to where he was, and it's not Daniel Ricardo of the McLaren days; it's Daniel Ricardo of the Red Bull days. But if he doesn't, you've still got Max Verstappen, who's going to carry the team, and you just then make the change if Daniel Ricardo can't cut it in the Red Bull. So it's almost if we need to put Daniel Ricardo into the Red Bull as a holding, uh, almost a holding driver until someone like Lando Norris comes along in. I believe it's the end of twenty twenty five. His contract runs out. Abby, can you see that being? To me, that sounds like the right sort of strategy here, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so, and I think Red Bull. Obviously, like you said earlier, Sam, that when he went to Red Bull as the third driver, as the reserve driver from McLaren, he wasn't what they were used to. He wasn't the old Ricardo that everybody knew, the smiling one that was always happy. But now it seems like that Ricardo is coming back from being in that Red Bull family. And I think he thrives there. So putting him in that seat, they must have the confidence. I think his times at the Silverstone Pirelli test this week, he was something like 0.7 seconds off of pole and his time was good enough to be on the front row with Max. So he obviously hasn't lost his driving skill. So putting him in the Red Bull, if he excels, brilliant, keep him. You'll have him and Max. That's amazing. As a duo, they would be able to do a lot. If he doesn't, then like you say, wait until there's a better prospect and then put them in the car. So there is something sort of coming out at the moment about Liberty Media wanting Red Bull to have two top drivers in their car. Now, this just ties into the entire conversation we've had, but don't you think it's quite strange for them to be talking about this and saying that the the most dominant team should have two drivers that are competing? And the timing of this is just all a little strange. I mean, it it has just sort of... um, come out this Abby but what are your thoughts on on, on the statement they're, they're talking essentially about they've changed the technical relation uh, te- technical regulations and now they're looking at how they can improve the actual sporting side of things well I think it's come about because yes they've changed the technical regulations but at the moment we have one team that is completely dominating and it's one driver within that team because 
yes, Perez is second in the championship, but in races, he isn't that far off from Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston. And it, like I said in earlier episodes, that I really hope that we would get a Verstappen Perez battle because they're in the same car and nobody seemed to be able to touch the Red Bull. That hasn't happened and it does get predictable and it does get a bit boring when you know that Verstappen is going to win every race this season. Having two drivers in the same team dominate, be able to fight each other, it would make the sport more entertaining and more exciting, which I guess is Liberty Media's goal after all. It would bring in more fans, bring in more money who it would be. I know they've mentioned Lando, they've even mentioned Leclerc, perhaps moving from Ferrari to Red Bull. He is a great driver at the moment. Ferrari aren't giving him the car and the strategy that he needs and they're not with science either. So I can see where they're coming from. It would be interesting to see if that did happen though, but I would like to see the whole pack be able to battle each other like the midfield this season. If you discount Red Bull, the season's actually quite exciting. I guess it's a, a compromise or a temporary measure, really. Um, you look at the the Rosberg-Hamilton years. Out of the three years that they were fighting for a championship, what two years would you give me if I asked you for memorable moments from, from that three-year stint? Well, it'd be 2014 and 2016, right? Exactly. <laughs> no one talks about 2015. I can't even remember anything that happened in 2015. Exactly, because Lewis Hamilton walked the title. It was nowhere near as close. So, again, this is that when we can't get a close pack, what's the next best solution? And it is a competitive leading duo. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of where they're they're, they're heading towards with that. And I don't think that's so much an issue. I don't think they should be dictating that. That's, I think, more of a problem. Red Bull should be free to run their operation as they see fit and ultimately Christian Horn's job is to win but however the the counterpoint which I I think you may be about to go to is what happens when people stop watching what happens when your slice of the pie is getting reduced because of your own dominance at what point does it become in your own self-interest to uh, you know balance the scale slightly bring in someone who's going to give Max a little bit more of a run for his money well, yeah, and and what I was going to come on to is, it's just the timing of it, right? It's it, Liberty Media are clearly putting pressure onto Red Bull, um, and we don't know everything that happens behind the scenes. But if for them to put out a statement like this at the same time that you know Perez's is, is seat is in question, Daniel Ricciardo's just moved to it's second in line for that seat, it's all just the timing, right? What's not fair is that it also puts pressure on Sergio Perez. You've got the sport putting pressure, whether explicitly or implicitly, directly or indirectly, whatever. You are putting pressure on Sergio Perez. You are interfering with the team. And that is an issue because, yes, if it was a case that Sergio Perez was right up there and the team were just going, nah, you can't fight. Kind of like, I don't know, say, uh, where Hamilton and Alonso were in 2007 when they're very, very equal. That's that makes sense, but you're saying we need you to have a more competitive second driver, while Sergio Perez is well off the pace on a Saturday, at the, uh, you know at least, and you know his pace is better on a Sunday. But is it Max Verstappen pace? No, not really. That's kind of unfair on Sergio Perez. But again, I also did say earlier that it's not fair sport, so I guess that kind of you know 
nullifies my right, right to complain. Yeah, it's very much F- F1 saying, right, we tried to fix it, you fix it. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but on when we're back, we're going to talk about someone who is doing very well. So uh, a nice positive side. So the talk of the the moment was Alex Albon performance uh, across the weekend at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix. Um, that performance saw Williams jump to P7 in Ex- the constructors. Excuse me. Also, Logan Sargent. Oh, I'm not I thought I made a mistake away. there, Sam. I, I am. I am not letting you get away with that. <laughs> I was going to get to it. All right, I'll let you continue. But I just wanted to get the record straight before you went too far down an Alex path there. No, and where I was going to go, Sam, was that Sergeant, uh, Sergeant, Sergeant has been complimenting Albon as well, saying that it's um, he's been really able to help him. Now it seems like you know James Val's going to Williams, um, obviously having been at Mercedes. I wasn't expecting things to change very quickly, but. Williams are starting to come into their own. The car's faster, the drivers are performing, and they've got also upgrades on the way as well. So um, what's your take on Williams, who have been really, really disappointing in the past few years? Abby? I think it's great. I'm really happy with how they're progressing. Obviously, Sargent had a bit more of a rough start to this season than Albon, but in the last couple of races, he has been coming into his own. He finished P11 last weekend at Silverstone and both of them both drivers have praised the car Albon has said that it's definitely a quicker car this year and this new package also set everything up a level and he said we're still going to have our good circuits and our bad circuits and you know Spa and Monza is still our focus but at the moment they're tied with Haas in the championship so they are in a good place and Sargent echoed that point and he like you said Ollie praised Albon saying that Albon's been driving phenomenally and it's good because it's pushing Sargent outside his comfort zone. So having Vowles come in and the driver duo that they do, it seems, it just seems to be working for them. And I'm really glad because they're, they have 11 points in the championship and they just seem to be going up this year in the standings, which is great. Although their new livery could, um, could have some better changes on it, I think. But (laughs) Not, not a fan of bolder than bold, were we? It just looks a bit like the McLaren. It it's really like, does, I thought that. I think, yeah. that's the, I think that's why people voted for it. Yeah. I know, but I'm really happy with how they're doing. And I'm hoping Sargent will be able to finish inside the top 10 in the on the European circuits that he does know quite well. And we did start, before we went on air, we were talking about how this this whole episode sort of linked back to Red Bull because Albon was obviously sacked from Red Bull, but yeah, he's come back and he's he's having a good career. Um, what do you think about William Sam, Albon's performance and also Sargent? I think that this is just assessment to how a driver can do in a, an environment that works for them. Much like Daniel Ricciardo, it did not work for him at McLaren. Williams is clearly a place where Alex Albon is able to get the best out of himself. and the fact that they are where they are in the championship, you know, it's, it's not the highest of highs, but even if Ricardo comes in and smashes it out for Tauri, can they catch up to Williams? No, they've got two points and it's very unlikely you'd need a freak result, really. Uh, Williams, their pace over the last couple of races uh, is, is somewhat disguised by the fact that they are tracks that suit them. Expect them to be strong in Monza. That's where I think Logan Sargent will get his first points. And, you know, obviously very much like Nick Freeze, but it is a 
track that very much suits the Williams, which is very good in a straight line. So let's not be too deceived by that, I would say. But they are clearly making the steps. And I think that is part, a lot of that is Civ James Vowles because he can come in and say, well, you haven't got this, 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 and this. You know, you're 20, and as he said, 20 years behind in development and facilities. So as they start making those steps in the direction that James Vowles knows they need to take, they should hopefully start to um, take the steps back up the grid and back to where we would want to see them uh, as motorsport fans. Now, continuing with the uh, people who are progressing and doing well, um, I think we have to circle back on McLaren for the performance that they had at the British Grand Prix, which, let's be honest, it shocked absolutely everyone. Now, it seems that this is not the peak of McLaren, and further upgrades are coming to make that car even faster. Now... We spoke a few months ago on the show about all the the personnel changes that they were making and their structure and having dividing roles into three and things like that. And I think the general consensus we we had here was that that was going to be a little bit complicated and divvying up roles that were done by one person into three might complicate things. Clearly it hasn't. Um, What are your thoughts on the potential for that McLaren to get even faster? Or do you think maybe they're they're bigging that up a little bit sam well i'm not sure we've fully seen the effects of of that change yet but also i do believe that we kind of collectively as a group kind of decided that if it works it will work and it could be a new way of working with f1 i think they could you know other teams could look around and go wow that proved uh productive and fruitful for them let's let's be honest about the uh the inspiration and the philosophy behind some of these changes. <laughs> I was wondering this, where you, if you were going to go with that. <laughs> it's not the first time that we've seen this um, in this era, but it looks a lot like a papaya ball. Um, and yeah, it's obviously where we're seeing the pack converge. And yeah, we're back to Red Bull, but Christian Horner made the point himself on Sunday night I don't think we're going to see a Mercedes run of dominance for Red Bull because the pack is closing up and there's more to come from this McLaren but again it's only been two races and yes Austria has a lot more high breaking zones hard breaking zones than Silverstone does they are also quite they're too quick circuits so Hungaroring being a little twisty tricky kind of track I think we'll actually see a little more representative picture of where the McLaren is. Now, I think the other side to this is McLaren are clearly going full steam ahead on upgrades for this year. And all of their focus seems very, very, very much this year. Um, Mercedes are taking a different path. Yes, they've improved. Um, They have nicknamed uh, the W14. I'm not sure if you guys have seen what they've nicknamed it, Um, but it is the Diva 2.0, which... It, as we mentioned on the on the race review, it seems like they're going to start to move away from this car, move into a new concept. Abby, what do you think about McLaren going full steam ahead for this year with upgrades and and, and um, uh, you know improved performance? And Mercedes basically going, we've tried now for two years; it's time to do something else. Well, for 2024, the regulations aren't changing. So I feel like McLaren know that at the moment they're not a championship winning team where they are right now. Focusing on this year, based on their performances in Austria and Silverstone with the upgrades coming in Hungary and for more races during the rest of the season, I think they're aiming for podium finishes and race wins. For Mercedes, 
they know that they can fight at the front. And Toto even said that with the Red Bull-like side pod design, they had tried it, but it lost the relative loss of downforce and the way that the team measured it, it was substantial. But focusing for 2024, he did say that their great group of aerodynamicists, led by James Allison, obviously, who returned to the team, it will be a consideration given the progress that McLaren has made. And I feel like Mercedes know that this year they're not going to... P2 in the championship is highest is the highest they're going to get. They probably won't win a race, even though that is very heartbreaking for me to say. Um, but... <laughs> I think they're focusing for 2024 to be able to fight Max and Red Bull and try and get a championship, whereas McLaren are just trying to improve what started as a very bad start to the 2023 season. Okay, and um, sort of to to tie this in, and Sam, I really want to see where the Red Bull thread is uh, within this one. Um, But McLaren and Alpine were obviously uh, fighting each other, and that seemed to be sort of that that was their that was their competition. With McLaren off into the distance, it sort of leaves Alpine um, sitting there looking around. Um, I know you spoke to them over this weekend, so what are your thoughts on how Alpine respond to this? Can they respond to this? And where's the thread with Red Bull in this one? The thread with Red Bull in this one is they all race in F1. Done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, Alpine also have upgrades coming for, for themselves. Uh, they are targeting a, a step up. Whether or not it will be a McLaren-esque step up, yeah, it's difficult to say. But they're also not coming as far, from as far back as McLaren. So they don't need to make as big a jump in you know one or two goes. Uh, but they are admittedly on the outside looking in, in that kind of top five battle, now that McLaren are very much, it seems, in the party, they're maybe too far points-wise, but for McLaren to double their points haul in one race and leave Alpine in the dust is concerning. So I think they're going to have to respond quickly because they've had the measure of them over the last couple of years, really. Um, But yeah, the new front wing this weekend, they didn't really get to see the most of it because it was a bit of a disjointed and, you know, kind of stop-start weekend. Ocon's qualifying was uh, ruined by Charles Leclerc, uh, who was on an alternate strategy. And then, obviously, Pierre Gasly's race was ruined by Lance Stroll, uh, who also had a little bit to play in Esteban Ocon's early retirement from, uh, from qualifying. I think it is difficult because they had a rocky start and then Laurent Rossi said what he said, quite harsh words, and then they were on the up and even Esteban Ocon, he got a podium in Monaco. And now there seems to be some issues and I think McLaren are 17, 18 points ahead, whereas it looked like Alpine were solidly in P5. But now McLaren have come into it and there's going to be this battle. So it will be a race of upgrades. Who's going to be able to perform better? Who's going to be able to get better qualifying laps to then put themselves higher up the grid in a better chance to score more points? I think for the teams, it's probably quite stressful because now there is this battle for P5, whereas before it wasn't really that much of a battle. But for fans and viewers, I think it's going to be great because from one week to the next, you don't really know which drivers are going to come out on top apart from Max or which teams are going to come out on top. So there is this battle in the midfield. And I think having McLaren's upgrades and Alpine's upgrades, I think it's going to go really well. And on that bombshell, it's about all that we've got time for. So 
thank you very much, Ollie, for hosting and letting me uh, roll this one out as I as I requested. Um, Abby, it's been a pleasure to have you as always. Much appreciated. Um, you know where to find us on socials, and uh, there will be, of course, the race review after Hungary. But before that, there will be another news from the nerds, and you know where to find us on socials and www.formulanerds.com for all your racing news. Sam, you should just do this for me, mate. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And uh, if you've got any thoughts on any of the stories, do email us, info at formulanerds.com. We always love reading your emails. So we'll see you next time. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.